Organizations like Hospice Niagara are vital to our community's compassionate support, quality of life, and ability to help people live well, no matter what life has presented. Beyond certain preconceived notions, what does the term hospice palliative care actually mean? When people and their families are experiencing a difficult stage in life, what services can they access? Here to talk about meaningful resources and extended service in Welland is Carol Nagy, Executive Director of Hospice Niagara. When life presents challenges, remember, you're not alone. And let's find out, what's up Welland? So on today's episode of What's Up Welland, we have Carol Nagy, who is the Executive Director of Hospice Niagara. Carol, welcome for welcome. And thank you for joining us. You're no problem. Thank you for having us and showing such an interest in hospice palliative care. We just got finished saying, you know, how we do this in one take. And if we stumble over something, we keep going. And then sure enough, there it is right out of the gates. So we set the example. There it is. Uh, And full disclosure, I am a recently appointed board member of Hospice Niagara. But this um, episode was booked in advance of that. So <laughs> one of those, uh, we don't have conflicts of interest here on what's up well in the same way we do, uh, maybe at a council meeting, but just putting that out there. Uh, so Carol, first question, some people uh, may have heard of the term hospice, uh, but can you tell us a little bit more about hospice Niagara and what palliative care is? Absolutely. And this could in some way be your board orientation Perfect. session as well. Two birds here. <laughs> so here's where I'm going to try to dispel some myths. Yes. So people, you know, expect me to say that hospice palliative care is about death and dying. And I'm not going to say that. It is about living well. And it's about living well, not in those last few weeks of life, like everybody thinks. It's living well from the point that somebody is diagnosed with a life-limiting illness or an illness that's going to affect their ability to carry on their life as they they normally would. So kind of those progressive diseases that we can think of. So hospice palliative care can start right at diagnosis. That's the first thing. And what does it do then? It helps people to really manage their symptoms and their pain, but it also happens or helps people with all of that psychological changes that, uh, that happen when somebody has that diagnosis. It helps people to navigate the system as well, which is really really complicated, particularly after what we've been through with the pandemic. Um, but it also helps family members and helps their coping and to, to ask themselves, how is this going to impact in their lives and help them to kind of come along with what they need to do to support their person. And then hospice palliative care carries on while that person um, is in treatment or um, as the disease progresses, um, helps them make choices that are right for them and their family and making sure they're always in that driver's seat where we all want to be and, and making our own determination of what's good for us and our family members. And then it's there after that person dies as well so that we can help family members, friends um, in their bereavement. So thank you for dispelling myths. Thank you for dispelling the the misconceptions about um, hospice and palliative care, because as soon as that word hospice is mentioned, people immediately go towards end of life, and which is scary. But to know that there are so many steps in place before that, helping people, guiding people before that that phase. Um, thank you. That to start the show that way, so important. Um, one of my questions that is not something we had previously discussed. 
So you help people who are facing end-of-life illnesses, but you also mentioned helping people who are facing illnesses that will significantly change their lives. Does Alzheimer's disease factor into one of those illnesses just because of the impact it has on on people? Or are there certain diseases that you, the ones that do not have end-of-life implications, are there certain diseases that you are uh, quicker to work with people on? That's a great question. So yes and and no, it's not a simple answer. So if somebody um, has Alzheimer's, we certainly are there to help support that family member, but also we know that we have a wonderful Alzheimer's society here in Niagara and we don't want to duplicate services. So we would turn it over to our colleagues, um, be there if there was something that they needed from us, but we know that they really would wrap their arms around that family and that person and help them out. So you don't overlap, you know your community agencies, you know your partners and you will refer We will accordingly refer, and that's right, yeah. Excellent. But, what tend, but your question leads to another point. What tends to happen with palliative care because we think it's only end of life, and also because we don't have a lot of hospice resources in Niagara, like most communities, um, what happens is we tend to overserve people with cancer. And I'm going to say it that way. We always want to try to serve everybody that we can, but they're they're more represented in our services because that illness has a somewhat predictable trajectory. And when we only have 10 beds available, then we're going to be able to say this person will come to us, likely will be with us with this length of time. So that bed will become available at this time. Hopefully, as I know we'll talk about later, our expansion will have an opportunity to serve many more um, um, illnesses, such as people who have ALS, who have a little bit less of a clear trajectory and can be with us longer um, at end of life. One more question before we move into so many other topics. Um, the services that are available, the bereavement services, is there a period of time that those services are available? Or can family members and friends who are in that phase of mourning, how long are they able to work with you? And I mean, you're a compassionate organization. How long can they heal with you? So let's talk about bereavement. So although we all go through um, experiences in bereavement that are common, for example, regret and anger um, in that kind of mourning period, we all go through it at our own pace and in our own way. So the door is never closed to our bereavement services. If somebody has lost their loved one four or five years ago, but find that they are still struggling emotionally, physically, maybe with the routines in their lives, um, then absolutely give us a call and we have services that are available. That's wonderful. Speaking of services, how do people access your services and is there any costs associated with that? And I wish this wasn't a complicated question. <laughs> Simple question, complicated answer, maybe. So here's healthcare, unfortunately, and it goes back in the root of how hospices were funded originally. So there's no real straight path. But if somebody wants to access let um, our hospice services, please, please speak to your family physician, or if you're in a hospital, speak to a home and community worker, a discharge planner, a nurse, an R or the physician that's treating you and ask for a hospice referral. 
That's the simplest way I can present that. If you're living in your own home, family doctor or home and community care coordinator. If you want any other services from us, like our palliative care outreach team or bereavement, just give us a call. And if at any point you are confused, just give us a call and we can help you navigate the healthcare system. So it's it's more of the referral process as opposed to knocking on your door saying, do you have a bed available? Do you have XYZ available? It's kind of done through another kind of branch before they get to you. Right. And generally done through home and community um, for any hospice services. But any other service from us, please just call us. Okay. Yeah. And, and we'll make sure that we throw the link up for, for Hospice Niagara uh, with this episode. So again, if people have questions or if, you know, like you said, there is any confusion that can maybe be cleared up for them, uh, they know how to easily get a hold of you. The cost component, is there a cost? There is no cost for any of our services. And that's really rooted in our value system, where we believe that good, compassionate care that offers dignity to people should be free of charge. And so we will never charge for hospice services. Uh, It's important that we consider this as part of our routine health care, that it's what we deserve at end of life so that we never have to travel this path alone and that we always have our questions answered and are able again to determine what is best for us. Just like giving birth. You know, it's it's a funny question to ask if there's charges at end of life when at the beginning of life we have nine months of preparation, sometimes more, and we have all that support that wraps around us from the healthcare system and our families. Well, we deserve that same at end of life. I like that. I like that you frame it that way because end of life is scarier. It's more isolating. It's the start of life. There's so much joy. There's so much anticipation. And why shouldn't people experience dignity during the the darker stages of, of a life cycle? Yeah. Not to say that some women aren't scared about childbirth, says the man in the room. True. <laughs> <laughs> Having had two kids and... I, I, know, I know when to just, you know. Having been a witness yeah. to having two kids. <laughs> no, that's great. Um, so it, as is often the case with many organizations who are able to provide services and programs at no cost, there is usually a very large fundraising component uh, to their organization. Hospice Niagara, no different. Uh, I believe Catch the Ace just wrapped up with a lucky winner, the five-card draw almost wrapped up it's wrapped up it is wrapped up goodness we had five car winners for that draw wow yeah it's exciting so there is a cost we're a healthcare organization and although we really try to operate as a home and as services that come into your home without a lot of complication um we don't look so we don't look like healthcare but there is a cost and the only funding that we receive is for about 40 percent of our staff costs Wow. We're the only healthcare organization that has to raise that big um, number uh, in order to not only keep our staff, but to keep the lights on, to keep water, to keep our equipment, to keep our facilities clean, that type of thing. So you're right. We run all those big draws. We also rely on people in the community to to donate generously, um, watch our Facebook camp for other campaigns, um, and and also to volunteer with us. 
because it's through our volunteer, our army of volunteers that we're be, we're able to continue to offer all of our services and, and the excellent care that we provide. And you've got a great group of staff who are helping, um, you know, get the word out and organizing these fundraising events um, and, and just really working with uh, businesses, organizations, individuals in the community to, to help raise those funds uh, for hospice. So, I mean... A shout out to them, of course. Right, shout out for the to work them. They do. Yeah, they're tireless in, and you know, um, this pandemic was hard on all of us. Our fundraising team were able to pivot really quickly and turn everything to online almost overnight, which was amazing. Um, our IT team was able to get our computers and everything in people's homes so that all of our counseling and coordination services could continue to run. And then also in the residence where we have our nurses, our RNs, our RPNs, and our PS. W's and our physicians. Wow. What a burden they've, they've um, really bore through this pandemic. And I have to give a shout out to them because they continue to be mindful of everybody that they saw and tried to make end of life a special time for them through the pandemic. And while they were wearing masks, full PPE and couldn't do things that they normally would do, um, they still, their compassion and their love shone through. And I would, I'm very proud to say that most of our staff stayed with us throughout the pandemic. Um, that's how committed they are to doing this work. Did the pandemic create any opportunities to provide care differently that you would not have done otherwise? And will you continue doing certain things that forced upon you because of the pandemic, but were there some successes that you can apply post-pandemic going forwards? Absolutely. All of this remote care. Um, so we were able to change all of our in-person groups for young kids as young as five, all the way through to, to adults to be online. Um, we were able to also generate far more different kind of interactions. Uh, we had a couple of newsletters. Now we have a lot of newsletters where a lot of people are contributing, not only volunteers, but people that are receiving the services. And for people who are not able to attend something in person, they've really liked this opportunity to stay involved virtually. So now we have our virtual stream and we're really glad that we're back to our in-person stream. So again, there's more choices for people on how, on how they'd like to interact with our services and our support. Got a question for you that I think is going to branch off into a few different areas in terms of your response, but it's all geared towards the same thing. Hospice services in Welland. What do they look like now? What will they look like in the future? Welland has been a community where we've been very committed to growing our hospice palliative care services. And I have to do a shout out for Doug Rappeljay, who we miss dearly. Um, he was such a strong supporter of Hospice Niagara. I think I was in my first week when Doug pulled me over and said, you know, we have our outreach services, but that's not good enough. We need to have a hospice in Welland. So I'm very pleased to say that we will be, we are building a hospice in partnership with Foyer Richelieu. Um, it's the first of its kind in Ontario where the hospice is actually located within the first floor of a long-term care home, but runs completely separate, including two different, two separate front doors for each of the services. So that will, um, to help support our outreach services, which ha uh, goes into people's homes. Um, and also we have bereavement walks that have happened in Welland. And we have an, a what's called day hospice, an outreach program for people to come together if they're living with a long-term illness and be in community together and have a wonderful chef cooked lunch once a week. 
How long have these plans been in place for? And when can the city of Welland look forward to seeing all of these efforts come to fruition? They've been um, in planning, I'd say at least four years, if not longer than that. And uh, Welland wasn't the first one on on our list. It actually happened, we were approached by long-term care and the hospital system um, as they're planning for the new hospital in Niagara Falls. And the palliative care services in Fort Erie would be impacted by that. So they asked if we'd be interested in building a hospice service to um, take the place of what might be missing from the Fort Erie community. So of course we said, absolutely, we'll look at doing that. But we couldn't ignore that we had so many services already in Welland. So call me crazy. Who builds two <laughs> hospices at one time? But so we, so we are planning and they both will open about the same time in 2024, probably in the fall, um, that they both will be operating and helping people again throughout Niagara. These aren't specific to these communities. You know, how far would you drive for really good, compassionate care? I don't think that 25 minutes in our region is is an odd um, ask of anybody. So we're looking forward to having 30 beds, hospice beds operating and expanding all of our outreach programs into every community. That's great. And, and you know, just you know, focusing on on Welland for a moment, I think when you look at the growth that's happening within the city and the programs and services that are being attracted by that growth and not necessarily that this was a direct connection, but I think it's a great fit. It makes sense, right? Welland is on the precipice of this, you know, amazing boom of, of a population. And with that population comes industry and everything else. Uh, and of course, you know, the number of people who are going to require different services uh, goes up. So to have the hospice and palliative care services that will be here, um, I think it's just, it's a great fit. And we're, we're excited. I mean, I think uh, there's a lot of people excited to have, have those doors open in uh, the fall of 2024. Absolutely. And hats off to the city of Welland, Fort Erie and the Niagara region for supporting these hospice builds. You know, as we look to expand our hospital systems, hospitals work better when we have hospice beds available so that people aren't in hospital beds where they don't need to be at end of life. But as well, it's taking care of your population, isn't it? So it's not only talking about economic and development in our community, it's talking about good care for those people that are coming to work and live in our communities now and hospice is a part of that conversation is there anything that we have not covered about hospice niagara that people should absolutely know right here right now I think people should be looking to get involved and not only from a fundraising perspective, but a volunteer perspective. We've been very fortunate to be able to keep the majority of our 350 volunteers that currently work with us. But as we expand, we need about 700 more. So if you're thinking about, gee, I wonder what I can do. And it's, you know, it is intimidating. It's not all helping people at end of life. There's lots of roles. I think we have 27 some odd roles. for volunteers in our organization. And we also look to people to say, hmm, I don't fit into those boxes, but I can offer something else. We'll listen. So really give it, give it some thought on, on your people's planning. You know, what are they doing in their retirement? Maybe it's volunteering at Hospice Niagara. 
Well, that would, that would be great, I think, for a lot of people. And I would imagine if they connect with uh, your team to find out a little bit more, they can get a better handle on what those time commitments would be uh, and everything like that. So, um, again, uh, you know, we'll make sure to throw the link up to allow people to connect with you uh, if they have questions to find out more and, and hopefully, you know, sign up to volunteer in, in some capacity because there's a lot of great work uh, that is being done and a lot more work that will be done in the future, as you mentioned. Uh, so Carol, thank you for joining us. Um, this was, uh, you know, a great conversation. I'm hoping that a lot of people will uh, kind of have their eyes opened a little bit more to what Hospice Niagara provides. And as you mentioned, it's not just that end of life component. There's so much more to it. Uh, but before we let you go, we have to ask you the question that we ask all of our guests on What's Up Welland. And that is whether or not you are a fan of pineapple on your pizza. Oh, well, yes, I'm a fan of all vegetables and fruits. <laughs> I draw the line at anchovies and I prefer a cauliflower crust. Oh, okay. Ooh. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's the first we've heard on alternative uh, crust options. Uh, I've never had a cauliflower crust pizza, but it's quite good. I've heard it can be good. It's good. It, can, it is. It <laughs> can be crunchy, too. And now you're just making me hungry. <laughs> there you, well, you know what? It's right around lunchtime, too, as we record this. So <laughs> good good timing, maybe, unless you have somewhere to go. Can't just skip out for lunch. Well, Carol, thank you so much again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm sure that we'll, we'll definitely have you or somebody from Hospice Niagara back at some point in the future to uh, talk updates and uh, any fundraising activities that you've got going on and things like that. So thank you again. Wonderful. Thank you, Carol. Thank you. So we've reached that point in the episode where Paul and I bridged the gap on our conversation with Carol Nagy, uh, who certainly gave us uh, a lot to think about, which was, uh, which is awesome. Uh, what a great conversation that we had today. Uh, one of the things that particularly stuck out for me was um, the volunteers, uh, you know, they've got, as Carol mentioned, about 350 or so volunteers right now. Uh, but as they grow and expand, they're going to need about 700 more. Uh, and we're all busy. We all have uh, active lives. And sometimes it can be difficult to find those extra hours uh, to give back to our communities. But uh, for anybody who is uh, looking to do something with uh, maybe a few spare hours they have here and there, uh, consider Hospice Niagara. Give them a call. Find out more about what type of volunteering uh, opportunities they have for you. And, and they can help you kind of navigate that uh, along with many, many other things, which I know Paul is uh, going to mention. I really appreciated Carol joining us today to talk about the services that are offered, getting to learn that these services are available to people at no cost, and the services span more than that um, misperceived just end-of-life phase when people receive the troubling news of a, of a serious illness, hospice is there to be supportive. When, as people are progressing through the illness, hospice is there. When people have reached end of life and for those who are behind living with the loss, living with the memory of a beloved friend or family member, hospice is there. And knowing that is incredible for our community. Knowing that they are expanding further into Welland is reassuring and comforting and something for all of us to appreciate and look forward to as 2024 approaches and as their services become broader and wider within our community. So 
Thank you again to Carol for joining us and bringing word of Hospice Niagara to What's Up Welland. Please be sure to check us out at engagewelland.ca slash podcast for previous episodes and to share any feedback and suggestions for future episodes. And that's it for today. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. 